Soccer Podcast presented by Soccer Expeditions. I'm Lucas Navarro and here's my co-host Brandon Long. Hey, how's it going? Good, Brandon. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Just enjoying summer. The final days of summer. It's almost gone, I know. <laughs> But that usually means soccer is ramping up. The games are starting to come. Seems feels like every few days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's games happening and uh, that's good. Yeah, but it's funny because here we are in late September and I don't know where in the world world you are listening to this from, but here in Washington DC, the United States where we live, it's hot. <laughs> still is like feels like summer still and we're in late September. It's hot. As <laughs> I'm going to have to beep you. <laughs> I mean, it's hot. I mean, it is it's unseasonably hot and I don't know if uh I don't know when that'll be changing. I mean, we're moving into October soon. We even got some pool yesterday, a little nice Sunday afternoon pool time. Yeah. But we'll take it. We'll take a, a few less days of summer before we start freezing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, of course. All right. So let's get on to let's talk some soccer. Get into it. Okay. Right, so let's, uh, let's remind everybody how we do this. You should know by now because you've been listening every week. But we have our four segments. So we're going to start off with our young players. We follow three young players for the duration of the season. These three young players have started out in the Brazilian League. Some have gone on to other leagues. Some will be going on to other leagues in the future. Um, and so we, you know, following what they're doing and kind of giving updates on them. Then we'll move into what's going on with the Brazilian League and see what the standings are, talk about some other things with the different teams at the top and bottom of the table. We'll also touch on some Copa Lipidores stuff, and we'll go from there to the players around the world, what Brazilian players around the world are doing. So we're going to take a look at, you know, the Neymars, the Coutinhos, the Paulinhos mm -hmm. of the world, um, and see how they're go getting on, and honestly... One of those is doing, I think, better than a lot of people gave him credit for. Absolutely. We'll get into that. Yeah. Finally, we'll round it out with the Brazilian national team. There's going to be more qualifying coming up. So, obviously, Chiche is going to have to call a new team. So, we'll get into all of that. We have a new list already. So, we'll, we'll go over the names for the new list, which are the players who, who are going to be playing the final two qualifying matches. Yep. All right. So, let's start. Our first segment, talk about our young players, starting with Vinicius Jr., the... 18, 18 years old? Yeah, it? he's the youngest of the young players. Youngest of our young <laughs> players, an 18-year-old playing for Flamengo and soon to be playing for Real Madrid. Right. At some point, yes, in the future. We're not sure yet. Could be next year, could be 2019. Right. Yeah, but I often wonder, like, what are the factors that go into that? Right, because they didn't really set a date. They said, you know... Maybe next season or the following. I bet it would probably, probably be in the beginning of the 18-19 season. think so. So he's probably staying for another year or so in Brazil and get some playtime. So we'll see uh, if he goes. Right now, though, he's, uh, he's playing well. He's uh, recently been called up to the Brazilian squad for the U-17 World Cup. Um, so that's in India, right, coming up in October. Right, India coming this October. And I think that's very interesting, and it's great, because, you know, even though he's already a professional playing for one of the biggest teams in Brazil, 
uh, they usually don't take professionals in those under 17, under 20s. But in this case, it would be great for him to get some play time. He's going to be the star of the team. He's sort of like a mini World Cup for under 17. So since he's a sub in Flamengo, I think it would be great for him to travel with the Brazilian national team and get some play time and some more experience. How does that work, though, for Flamengo? I mean, he'll just be gone. He'll be gone, and I think Flamengo is okay with that because, again, he's you know sub. He, they don't really need him playing every game. And I think it's beneficial for Flamengo and for himself to to get some playing time as a starter, as the star of the team, and I'm sure it's going to be really good for his development. I think the only concern there would be you're coming to, you know closer. Obviously, the season's going further and further. You need to kind of spread minutes around different uh, players at times. So you just don't want to be short short staffed. If you know if injury comes up to one player, next thing you know. You know, he may not be subbing. He may be starting because of whatever. So Right, but Flamengo is pretty stacked. We have talked about this before. They have, like, some really good... Yeah, they have good attackers, yeah. Very good attackers. I think they'll be okay. I guess the only concern would be if he gets hurt. I mean, if he gets hurt playing for the under-17, that's, that's no fun. So hopefully he'll be safe <laughs> and nothing's going to happen. He's just going to get some playing time and, and have some fun. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how India does putting on a tournament like this right so they you know they're trying to get soccer going there too yeah uh, they have this weird uh, i think their league is like two three four months out of the year so i've seen some brazilian players going there and play for the season like this really short season and then go back mm-hmm. uh, even zico i think he was the coach for for one of the teams there i wonder if he's still doing that mm-hmm. they have like this compact season and they try to stack the teams with uh, like older players or has-beens or people with name. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's definitely like China, a huge market. So I'm sure a lot of people are trying to tap into that. Yeah, but soccer is competing against cricket in, oh, uh, <laughs> in India. I don't know if they play cricket in China. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, in that sense, obviously, as we mentioned, he's a sub, so he's he's been playing a little bit as a sub. He's what in the last six game he's played, come off the bench for four of them. Right. So no no goals to speak of, but at least he's getting some minutes. So that's that's good. Yeah, he's getting some playing time, and every time he comes in, he does you know a couple of good plays. Yeah, on episode five we talked about the times he scored where he got his first goal as a professional, and then there's another game where he scored twice. So, so far he has three goals a, as a professional, and we'll keep on counting. Right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe 10 years from now, we'll be like, that kid with 700 goals. Yeah. We'll see. He got his first three. First three and counting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I think that's, you know, he's, he's doing well. Let's see. So, Guilherme Rana, one of my favorite players. Moving on to Guilherme Rana. Yeah. The Corinthians boy. Very promising left back. So, he's been hurt. He has been. So, out of the last six matches, he only, he missed four. He's only played twice. Uh, right now, he's back. He seems to be fine. Corinthians was struggling, coincidentally or not, when he wasn't playing. Corinthians in 2017 has lost only five matches. And all five matches, Arana was not on the pitch. Right. So Arana still is undefeated in 2017. And I would be 
when I tell you I would be shouting that all over the locker rooms, <laughs> I would be, I would know, I would not let anyone forget that. Be like, what? Who, who, who lost a match? Who lost? I, I don't know what that means. I didn't lose. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, you know, we're talking about him because he's a great player, very promising left back, like I said. And, you know, Corinthians struggled without him. I think it's big part of why Corinthians was struggling was because he wasn't playing and we couldn't find a sub that was good enough. That said, he's back now. He seems to be healthy, so hopefully uh, he's going to be doing well until the end of this season. I think you're going to have to find somebody before the start of next season. For sure. I don't think he will. No. He will definitely be snapped up. I highly doubt he's going to be staying with Corinthians unless he wants to stay to play next year's Libertadores. And if he thinks he has a chance of going to the World Cup, which I, I think they're very, it's a very small chance, mm-hmm. I highly doubt it. He's definitely going to Europe next year. It's yet to be seen where. Hopefully he'll be able to go to a good competitive team, but we'll see. That said, we'll talk a little bit about personal his personal life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a little embarrassing incident. Yeah, so he got a little loose with the camera. And social media. On, uh, was it Instagram specifically? or Instagram, yes. Okay. So on Instagram, and he posted a, what I would consider an intimate private photo. Very intimate. <laughs> um, gosh, he has like almost half a million followers. So it was definitely something uh, that got out there. And I don't even know how it got screen captured, but I guess people... People took a picture of it really quickly. Sure, because he took it down right after it posted. <laughs> but, I mean, if you have almost half a million followers... Somebody's going to like... Oh, yeah. That second that thing hits the internet, yeah. it's, it's there. I feel like there's bots that do that. That, like... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, so he... You know, just a little... That's a little embarrassing. He obviously put out a little statement about it. and he, he deleted it and then said, I'm sorry. That was supposed to be an intimate thing that I was sending to my friends. <laughs> right, but which, without being too graphic, do you want to describe what it was, Brandon? I mean, it's, it's, it's an intimate moment. I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what I see here. I see him sort of like a selfie and he's shirtless making, um, uh, let's say, a face. Yeah, A face that someone who might be enjoying himself would make. Yeah, it's kind of a duck face. A, a duck bit. face? Yeah. A duck face of enjoyment? Sure, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's definitely feeling good. And then the second picture is probably um, one that you might take yourself. Uh, we'll, we'll just say he's not alone in the picture. He's not alone, no. He's taking a picture of um, a friendly companion, I'd say. An intimate act. There you go. Okay, that's all we're going to say. <laughs> we want to keep this program uh, G-rated, right? Yeah, we're, we're family friendly. Family friendly. We don't want Apple to be like sticking that explicit uh, <laughs> sticker on our podcast. <laughs> but hey, Google's out there. All you have to do is... You, yes, Google. you can find it very mm-hmm. easily. So, <laughs> All right, so going on now, Hisharison. Also very good player, young player that it's, you know, a lot of exciting things to, to talk about. It is. And I like that, you know, he made the step from Brazilian League and is playing very well out the gate with Watford in, in England. First game, I think he came on as a sub. And then you could see right away that like, okay, this kid has a lot of A, energy, B, skills. 
and see he's very smart. Like he, you can tell he's following instructions. He's kind of the shape he keeps very well. So I think he's been playing very well. And since then, I mean, he's just been playing more and more. So he's also scoring goals. He's starting every single game. He's mm-hmm. a, definitely a starter for Watford now. Mm-hmm. And he has scored two goals so far? Two goals in the league, yeah. yeah. One of those being a game-winning goal, which always feels good. Right. So this the last game, just this past weekend against Swansea, yep. he scored a game-winning goal at the very last minute of the match. Mm-hmm. So I saw that, you know, he was celebrating. He took his shirt off, got a yellow card. Yep. <laughs> okay. I will never understand that. The fact that the yellow card or them taking off their shirt? The, the fact that the players do that. They take their shirt off when they know for sure they're going to get a yellow card. And what is so special about running and taking your shirt off? Yeah, I never understood that. I guess in that sense, I get it if it's like the it's winning the match. I can kind of see their thought process. But like, I absolutely hate it when it's like the 13th minute. Uh-huh. And, like the, and it's just like, you idiot. Yeah. Like... Oh, and it's happened so much that, like, they got a yellow card for doing that, and then they have, five minutes later, they have a stupid play, and they get a second yellow card, and they're out. Or they forget they have the card, and they take a dive, and now they get, you know, yeah, that, that, that can be frustrating. I think, though, I think it's just the passion. I mean, this is someone who, from what I can tell from social media, at least... Like, the Watford fans have really taken to him. They you know, are, they yeah. look like they really enjoy it. So I could see, like, you know, you're you're just so pumped up, and you just rip your shirt off. I don't know. It's just uh, <laughs> I guess. I just, I, I feel like it's a little bit of uh, disrespectful towards your team, because, uh-huh. you know, the shirt means sort of like carrying the flag. Mm-hmm. And I feel a little bit disrespectful to, like, remove that when you're celebrating a goal, you know, because the cameras are on you. You know, you should be showing pride of wearing that and not, like, being naked. Uh, I mean, whatever. <laughs> they will always do that. But yes. I think it's stupid and disrespectful, that's all. We will keep following him, obviously. He's doing well. And I think, yeah, he'll continue to do well. He's, he's a really good player. And it's exciting because we can see him week in, week out here in the United States because, you know, American TV follow the EPL a lot. So. Yeah. You can tune it in and see him playing. It's, it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so let's talk about the Brazilian teams and the Brazilian league and some other tournaments. Okay. So since we last talked, since our last episode, rounds 23, 24, and 25 of the Brazilian league were played. Right. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about the Libertadores and Sul-Americana. Mm-hmm. Just a quick reminder, if you don't know, Sul-Americana is the equivalent to Europa League mm-hmm. in Europe. And Libertadores is the equivalent to the Champions League. So let's start with that. So we've got some results here, obviously. They're what moving from the quarters to the semis? So the Sul-Americana, it's... Round of 16 to the quarters. Right, right. Okay. So Sul American is one step behind the Libertadores. Gotcha, okay. So let's see. So we've got some games here. Uh, Corinthians, they played Rising. Rising from Argentina. Yep, with uh, Rising going through. Right, so the first game in, in Sao Paulo was 1-1, and the second game in Buenos Aires was 0-0. And for would you say that for these types of games is is this something that with Corinthians obviously you know battling for the league not even battling but obviously you know eyes I'm definitely on the league mm-hmm. where does this fall in ranking for them is important I think if Corinthians was not in first place in the league and like really focusing on getting that cup that is very very close 
I think the Sul-Americana would be more important. I think they would be, you know, if they didn't have a chance of winning the Brazilian League, they would be like, you know, this is our chance of getting a cup this year. So they would focus a lot more on the Sul-Americana. But since they're doing so well in the league, first place, and we'll talk about the the standings a little bit later, it doesn't really matter that much. Mm -hmm. Another thing about the Sul-Americana, it's sort of a shortcut to make it to the Libertadores. Oh, right. Because the winner, just like the Europa League, the yep. winner makes it to the next year Libertadores. But Corinthians will be in the Libertadores for sure because they're so far ahead in first place. There's no way they're right. going to drop below six <laughs> right. in the Brazilian League. So I'd say they were not that interested. But still, you know, you're playing a team from Argentina. It's an international tournament. Uh, but they did not play well. And it's just been the case in the past few weeks with Corinthians... I think they sort of uh, lost that intensity because they're so comfortable up on, on the top of the league and yeah. it's been easy in the first half of the league. So I think they need to recover that intensity of play. Yeah. But anyways, for the Sula Americana, they're out. Now there's nothing left but the league. From now until the end of the year, Corinthians is only playing the Brazilian league. Right. Okay. So then um, let's see. Switching over to also Botafogo. They played Grêmio. And that's the, that was the that Libertadores quarterfinals. Right. So, Grêmio went through on that one. Right. Santos played Barcelona. Not not the real Barcelona, <laughs> obviously. No. Uh, this is Barcelona <laughs> from Ecuador. Yes. Uh, with Barcelona going through. Yeah. So, Grêmio is the only team left in the Libertadores. The only Brazilian team left. To, and they made it to the semifinal. And they will be playing this Barcelona in the semifinal. Mm, mm-hmm. So, the other semifinal is between Hever Plate and Lanús, both teams from Argentina. Oh, let me just, you know, it's not really about Brazilian soccer, but just real quickly talk about uh, the other, the quarterfinal that made uh, River Plate go through the semis. So they lost to George Wisterman, which is a oh, team mm-hmm. from Bolivia, and they lost 3-0 in Bolivia. And of course, you're playing, you know, in high altitude, it's very hard to play, and that's probably why they lost. But guess what was the score in the, of the game in, in Argentina, the second leg? 4-0. 8-0. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so River Plate beat George Wisterman uh, 8-0 in Buenos Aires. Uh, one of River's player scored five goals. Oh, okay. Wow. So that was pretty amazing. So it should be interesting. River Plate, you know, they're a very traditional team from Argentina. Uh, Lanús, the team they are playing against in the semifinal, is not very traditional. So there should be a River Plate in the final. Could be Grêmio in the final too. So River Plate versus Grêmio would be a great big match for uh, Libertadores final. It seems like Grêmio is putting a lot of uh, resources into this. Right, because you know Grêmio is a very good team. They were the one second place behind Corinthians, but I think they they will just give up on the Brazilian league for now. Because they also will finish in the top six. Right. There's no way they're going to drop below six. But, you know, Libertadores, I mean, it's a huge cup. You just There's right. no way you can pay as much attention to, to the Brazilian League when you are in the Libertadores semifinals. And, hey, that's great for Corinthians. <laughs> right. Because yeah. it's one last team to, to bother us, you know, right behind us. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you informed of what happens in the Libertadores uh, there are other Brazilians in the Sul-Americana, which is now going to the quarterfinals. We'll talk about that in our next episode. Okay. 
And now let's talk about the league. So I've mentioned a little bit earlier that in the past few matches, few weeks, Corinthians is hasn't been doing too well. Right. So there were three losses in six matches in the league. And, you know, for a team that was undefeated for half of the 1920 rounds of the league, it, it's kind of scary to see them losing three out of six in the past six matches. And not only that, they're just not playing well. Right. Like I said, there's no intensity anymore. Some of the key players, like Jadson, are off. Do you think it's complacency? Some of it, yes, I think so. But who knows what's, what else is going on. Like, Arana wasn't playing, so that doesn't help since he's such a good left back. Even losing three games out of the six, they still are 10 points clear from second place. Right. They're losing three games out of the six, and so is everybody else. So is everybody else. <laughs> so is Grêmio, who was you know right behind us. So things have changed a little bit in the standings, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's just go over some of the important matches of this past few weeks. So one big derby, Santos versus Corinthians. Yeah. That was a couple of weeks ago, and Corinthians lost. That was one of the losses. The game was at Santos, and it was 2-0. Again, Corinthians did not play well at all. Yeah. Santos dominated, and, and they won 2-0. No contest there. Another very important match that happened was São Paulo versus Vitória. We've been following São Paulo, struggling at the bottom. They have been. <laughs> and we'll keep an eye on them because we'll see if they'll be able to get out of that relegation zone. So this game was very important because Vitória is also there at the bottom part. And São Paulo was able to win 2-1. to one. So that gave them three points and a little bit of a chance to breathe, but not really because even with those three points, they were not able to get out of the relegation zone. Right. And then an interesting game that was Corinthians versus Vasco uh, in Sao Paulo. Corinthians won 1-0. There was a lot of controversy because Joe scored with his hand. But it was a, a very weird play. Like It was a, a cross that the ball was going into the goal. And Joe just dove like towards the, the far post, towards the ball. And he didn't really do it on purpose. He didn't like reach out to, to touch the ball with his hand, but he just sort of like missed his head and hit his arm and went in. But now when that when the ball hit his arm, it was basically on the line. Uh, it would either go in or hit the inside of the post and I don't know. Anyways, he hit his hand, went on, went in, and uh, the referee gave him the goal, but the whole team of Vasco was very upset because it was clear that he hit his hand. Uh, there was so much controversy after that goal that the Brazilian Federation, they said that they were going to start using video review from mm -hmm. that point on. So that's supposed to start this past weekend, but they didn't get all their stuff Wait, they're together. they're going to start it in the middle of the season? Yes, no, like towards the end of the season, they wanted to like just literally like a few days after that, they're like, oh, we're going to start using video review now. I don't care for that. No, but it, they couldn't get their stuff together, so it did not happen yet. So we had one more round after that game and no video review still. Because I'm not, I, I don't know what all the technology takes. But you would need it to be, you need every stadium, right, to be able to incorporate that, right? You need it to, it, it can't just be only certain teams have. No, no, no. It would have to be all it 10 has to be all matches league. per round. Yeah. Right. Um, 
and so yeah, that's that's interesting that they would start. If I was me, I'd petition. There are plenty of things that happened in past matches to review. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Every team had can, has a complaint somewhere. All matches are on TV, so the TV is there. I guess what they would have to do is just create a little place where someone would be reviewing some like a like a referee outside the pitch would be reviewing the the, the, the play. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that could be helpful because every team gets hurt at some point by bad calls. I, I, I agree. I think the only... There have definitely been leagues where I've seen it implemented and it's not quite perfected. I feel like it can be confusing. I feel like we saw that in the... Was it the Confederations Cup this year? or Right, um, and I think they're doing it in, in Italy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany, I believe. I think so. But the thing is, you thought that even w- with video review, you know, be there would be no controversy anymore. But no, <laughs> people no. are still complaining even after the referee makes a decision after watching the video. Well, and it's it somewhat to me takes away from a little bit of the excitement sometimes because they basically stop play. The referee runs off the field, right? Goes watches this video, and then you're just kind of waiting. It's not quite like. You know how in tennis when they do the Hawkeye and like mm-hmm. the crowd gets into it and they start like clapping and then they do the you know they you see what it is and it's pretty instant. And it's quick because it's in or out. There is no like subjective. This isn't yeah. that instant. And no. depending on what they're reviewing, you know, you may see a goal, the ball cross the line, mm-hmm. but the refs could be reviewing a foul up the field. You know, right. so it's it's yeah. That's where it gets. It's like. Oh, yeah, the ball went in, but then we just noticed, like, five minutes ago, there was a foul. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it, that makes it to where it's like, uh, it just just feels like that it kind of takes some of the quickness of the, the play and, and the sport, you know. And that's one of the reasons we, lo- we love soccer, right? Because it's yeah. dynamic, it's quick, people are running the whole time, it doesn't stop much. Yeah. But the, the stipulations for the video review are, let's see if I can remember, penalty kicks... If there was any doubt in a penalty kicks, it would be reviewed. Red cards. Yeah. And goals. So in this case, you know, they would see that the the, the ball hit hit Joe's hand and went in, so they would disallow the goal. Mm-hmm. But again, that was like a weird call because, well, I guess if it hit his hand, it's not a goal anyways. But th- then they have to figure out if the ball was in the goal or not yet, which was hard to tell. So it can get complicated, but yeah. we'll see. All the teams complain every time Corinthians wins. Everyone says that the refs help Corinthians. Oh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we remember a few weeks ago, Corinthians versus Flamengo. Joe scored a goal, and he was like over three meters behind the line, the ball line. And the and the referee was said was uh, offside. Yeah. Like, it's not like a tough call. Three meters. <laughs> those are always the worst, and it's just like, how do you, like, how do you miss no, this? No, it's amazing. But anyways, Corinthians won, so they got to win 1-0 against Vasco, three more points, but Vasco was very upset. So was everyone else, because every, everyone wants Corinthians to lose now. Right. So, you know, putting a little more exciting excitement in the league. And then finally... Another derby, São Paulo versus Corinthians, and that was a very special match because here we have Corinthians way ahead in the top, 
and Sao Paulo is struggling at down there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's a huge derby, huge rivalry. The game was in at the Sao Paulo Stadium, and it was the record for attendance uh, in Brazil for the whole year. Oh, wow. Uh, almost 62,000 people. Wow. And the fans were behind Sao Paulo. A uh, little interesting side note. Uh, for derbies in São Paulo, so anytime Corinthians, São Paulo, or Palmeiras play against each other, there is no uh, visiting fans oh. because of security. Yeah, they decided that only the home team will have the fans. Right. So the stadium is always 100% for the home team. Yeah, the fans were behind São Paulo, and São Paulo was playing much better the whole game. Corinthians, man. They were not playing well. I was getting very upset. <laughs> uh, São Paulo scored a goal, and they were doing well. They almost scored a second. In fact, they did score a second goal that was disallowed because São Paulo's striker uh, uh, sort of blocked Cassio, the goalie, from getting to the ball. But, of course, São Paulo fans do not see it that way, so they're not happy with that goal being disallowed. Very upset. <laughs> they're very upset. And then <laughs> Corinthians scored towards the end of the second half. So the ball was going out of the end lines, going on to a goal kick. And São Paulo's defender was trying to protect the ball, you know, when they try to cover so the ball would go out. And the Corinthians' Rodriguinho, he was able to get around the defender and take the ball from him. But of course, they complained that Rodriguinho pushed the defender, which, I mean, go if you can, go on YouTube and check it out. Maybe we'll post it on our... Uh, website brazilsoccerpod.com of course I'm biased but I don't think it was a foul anyway so Rodriguinho took the ball and crossed and that's how the goal happened but Sao Paulo fans were complaining about that play and about the other goal that was disallowed they're very upset <laughs> let me tell you in fact Sao Paulo just um, day after the game they sent a like a video clip of those plays and to complain to the federation mm -hmm. it is what it is it was 1-1 which was a great result for Corinthians given how bad they were playing they only played well in the final 15 minutes of the match and Sao Paulo really wanted that win and they did not get it right so that brings us to the standings let's see what's happening yeah so obviously Corinthians still at the top by quite a margin <laughs> 10 points uh, they are followed by now Santos. So Santos is now in second. Right, and that's a new development because, you know, forever has been Corinthians and Grêmio. Right. So Grêmio dropped down to third. Palmeiras is now in fourth. They've remained in fourth. Mm -hmm. uh, Cruzeiro, they are up to fifth. Botafogo is up to sixth. So there's a little bit of movement there. Um, it's actually, if you were to take out Corinthians, it's a very tight table. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Corinthians is, you know, far and away in the lead right and they're at the top again Santos 10 points behind Corinthians but now that Santos is not in the Libertadores anymore they're gonna give it all they have to try to close that gap because they're only playing the Brazilian league but we'll see you know 10 points is hard to to close yeah at the opposite end of the table we have Sao Paulo there in 17th place so right at the that first relegation zone. Ponte Preta is down there. They've fallen, gosh, I want to say, what, three spots? They've been, like, in free fall. Yeah. 
because Ponte Preta actually they were doing well in the beginning in the f- in the first half of the league, mm-hmm. and they were you know at the top ten, top five sometimes, but lately they've been losing and just dropping. Yeah, and then nineteenth we've got Curitiba. They're down there. They've dropped a, uh, one place, and then finally pulling up the rear we've got Atletico Goianesi. Right. So São Paulo again, they are the first in the relegation zone with twenty eight points, and then above them you have. Vitória and Sports with 29, and then you have Avaí and Bahia with 30, and then a bunch of teams with 31. So it's it's crazy. If São Paulo wins the next the next game, they can potentially go up to ninth place. Yeah, from is, 17th to ninth. That is crazy because if if you recall, remember Chavacuense, they were doing pretty bad. They were close down there, right? And now they are actually sitting in ninth, <laughs> right? Like in the top half of the table. Yeah, so. One one win, and it could really change things. So it's very interesting because, you know, just like any uh, league in Europe with 20 teams, you always have the team fight, the teams fighting to be the champions. Then you have the fight for a Champions League, and in this case in Brazil for Libertadores. And then you have the fight for relegation. So in Brazil, the top six go to the Libertadores. And... There's only a contest between the top seven. So there's only one spot there being fought. Because between seventh place Flamengo and eighth place Atlético Paranaense, there are five points. Mm-hmm. And from that point down, Atlético Paranaense sort of in that limbo where they're too far from the Libertadores, but they're sort of far from the relegation too. But then from ninth place down, everyone is fighting for their lives. Yeah. Because any of those... 11 teams can get relegated. Absolutely, yeah. Because the points are so close. It's very interesting. Check out the the table on our website, brazilsoccerpod.com. If people say that Corinthians has already won the league and the league is not exciting anymore, that's not true because you can look at the bottom part and everyone is like fighting for their lives. Yeah, it's 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 going to be exciting. Uh, let's see, so you want to talk about this, the top scores? Mm-hmm. Enrique Dorado, he's still up there <laughs> yeah. 14 goals in the league uh, followed closely obviously by Joe with Corinthians 13 goals then you've got a tie here for third Luca and Roger for they're both on 10 right and Luca plays for Ponte Preta the team that we just said you know was doing well in the beginning and that's when he was scoring all those goals so I think he hasn't scored much lately but he's still up there with 10 goals yeah and Enrique Dorado the first one with 14 goals uh, obviously, he's a very good player, scoring lots of goals. But the thing is, he's the official penalty kicker for Fluminense. And he does not miss a PK. He's like 90-something percent in his career for penalty kicks. As you should be. He's right. So, you know, a lot of those goals come from penalty kicks, which is fine. No, I'm not complaining, but uh, that's what it is. And Joe is still really trying to, to beat Corinthians' first top scorer in the Brazilian league. Okay, so moving on, let's talk about some Brazilian players around the world. Looks like uh, just some contract news here. Marcelo, he's decided he's, he's, he likes Real Madrid, so he's going to be staying a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he just extended his contract with them until 2022. So if anyone who is a Brazilian national team fan, a Brazilian fan in general, or even a Real Madrid fan, you'll know how this is you know, comparable to Roberto Carlos. Another very famous left back. Everybody has seen that crazy free kick where it bent like 
Jesus seemed like it bent like ninety degrees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this is this will be interesting. So Marcelo has been with Real Madrid for ten years. Yeah. He almost has three hundred uh, games with Real Madrid. So I think Roberto Carlos was about the same. He actually might be surpassing Roberto Carlos soon. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. So yeah, contract extended until twenty twenty two. Yeah. Very cool. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I think he's fine in Madrid. I think he has a lovely home there. <laughs> lovely home. Nice weather. Buddy, buddy with Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Neymar is in the uh, top three, one of the FIFA players of the year. So he made it top three with, along with Ronaldo and Messi, of course. Yeah, I would have never guessed. That those <laughs> Who are the other two? <laughs> you only have one guess, man. <laughs> Yeah, so that's. I think that's I, the whole top three. I think is pretty. I think it's fair. Yeah, and just one thing that they changed this year. So the FIFA's best player of the year was in a calendar year, which means it's like the second half of this one season and the first half of another season. But this year, no, they're gonna do uh, a season year. So these three are uh, are up for the award for what they played in the 16-17 season. So so much that they you know they already chose the top three, but the award is only going to be given in January, I believe. And do you have a? I assume it's going to Ronaldo. Ronaldo, yeah. yeah. I mean, he Champions League, Champions League back to back. Yeah, Euro Cup with yeah. Portugal, but. As, as we have seen in the beginning of this season already, Messi, so far, I think he's top contender. Even if we are just a few weeks into the season, oh, Messi has yeah. been amazing. Yeah. And Neymar is back at the top three. He, was, he missed one year, but the year before he was in the top three, too. Obviously, he's going to be third place again. <laughs> it would be kind of interesting if he was beat Messi for second place, but I don't think so. But maybe maybe next year we'll see how he will do with PSG. Yeah. Another player that it's surprisingly good for some is Paulinho. You know, he just made the move to Barcelona. Some people were skeptical of how he would play. Oh yeah, people definitely wrote him off when he went to China. Right, and especially because of what happened in the EPL, Tottenham. Tottenham, yeah. Um, Again, I've said this here before. I think Tottenham was not fair with him. They did not give him enough chances. But, you know, after a couple of matches, Paulinho seems like he's grabbing that starting spot for Barcelona. Look, if you're going to come in and play in midfield and you're going to score goals, that boosts your chances of playing the next game. (laughs) Right, and he's got a couple of goals already. He's playing really well with Messi and the other guys. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's good to see him playing for a very good European team also because he needs that high level competition because he was a starter for the Brazilian team and mm-hmm. th- with the World Cup coming up it's great for him to get a full year of high level competition it's interesting because obviously we know that Coutinho is still at Liverpool but I know Barcelona is wishing that they had him since Dembele is injured right. and he will be out I think they said around three and a half months or so mm. three and a half four months so I thought about that when they they announced his injury I was like man you know they wish that they had Coutinho <laughs> yeah and Barcelona had a lot of issues in the beginning of the season especially with the transfers but so far so good they're 100% in La Liga <laughs> at this point Messi is just like 
I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you, No one's going to say. He probably got tired of Ronaldo. Yeah. And all the news he was getting and all the plaudits he was getting over the past six months. And he was like, you know what? We're going to start off 2017 season on the right foot. Or right. in his case, the left. <laughs> in his case, yeah. He's <laughs> like, I don't care we lost Neymar. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he is doing it. Barcelona is 100% so far in La Liga. Uh, like, again, Paulinho playing really well. So it's just... I, I'm particularly happy seeing Paulinho playing so well, given that he was a former Corinthians player. Yeah, it's it's interesting because they're doing really well and Real Madrid's not doing that great. No, no. And you just wonder there... And don't get me wrong, it is early days. But One of the issues, right, is they're not scoring enough goals. But... You just it just seems kind of odd to see them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of languishing down there. I think what they're sixth right now is I think they're sixth in the table. Ah, uh, yeah, they're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's right now it's Barcelona, Atletico Madrid at the top. So mm. well, so Neymar is already causing some co- controversy in at PSG. What did he do? Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone knows that, and even if you've played in soccer at any level, you know that on the team, you kind of know who the designated penalty kick takers are. Mm-hmm. And they're usually, I don't want to say they're selfish players, but you know that it's going to be an issue if you then step on their toes and they're no longer taking the penalty kicks. It seems as if Neymar didn't get that memo. Mm. <laughs> And so, basically, they're, I don't, I don't know, can it be classified as a fight? Well, so that match, it all started, uh, wasn't even a PK first. It was just like a, a foul, a free kick near uh-huh. the box. And Cavani had the ball. And Danny Alves took it from him and gave it to Neymar. Everyone knows that Danny Alves and Neymar are best buds. So that's kind of shady. So Neymar took the free kick, almost scored, whatever, free kick, okay. And then there was a penalty kick, and Cavani took the ball, and Neymar wanted to do it. And Cavani said, no, it's mine, I'll take it. And he missed it. <laughs> so, and then there was this all this apparent uh, fights in the locker room, and they weren't speaking to each other, and there was this huge controversy. What should happen? Should the... You know, the, the biggest player in the team, which is Neymar, take the PKs. Or Cavani, who's an excellent PK taker, continue doing it. He's a top scorer of the team. He's a striker. The whole world's talking about it. PSG's coach was sort of silent. Yeah, I didn't like how. If, it, if I was the coach, I would, have, I would have made a decision on who's taking penalty kicks. I wouldn't have just said... I'll let them work it out. And I just felt like it was a cowardly way to do it. Like, you're the coach. Like, you can you can settle this right now. That's his job. He'd be like, yeah. no, you're taking PKs. Done. Nobody can complain. Right. You know? If Once you miss, guess what? They're going to Neymar. Something yeah. to where, like, but just to be like, oh, they, you know, they'll figure it out. Like, mm, I didn't care for that. Especially because it was such a huge public feud, you know, between the two because of PK taking. And then a very good point about that is that uh, they in their contract with PSG, they get lots of money, like bonus for oh sure for goals for goals yeah. So obviously it's not just like I want to take this because I want to go because I like to score goals. No, it's about money, and they did the math like they make like thousands of euros for each goal they score. So 
we'll see what's gonna happen. Neymar did not play the the last game. He had like a minor injury. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if this is true, but I heard that after that game and the fight, Neymar unfollowed Cavani from all social media. Hmm. Maybe we should check if that's true. We can check, yeah. Because they seemed very friendly in the beginning. They were doing well together. You put big players to play together, famous people, something might happen. Well, it's interesting because I think that the... Me personally, and I feel like this is backed up by the poll we ran. You guys should follow us on Twitter, uh, Brazil Soccer Pod, because we uh, sometimes will do polls and just kind of get your your opinion on things. Mm -hmm. So we obviously asked who should be the number one free kick taker and penalty kick taker at PSG. And overwhelmingly, it was like 70% uh, chose Cavani. Right. So I, I think that's interesting because I do think there's... I get the whole thing about Neymar being like the big name, but I also think that... You're coming into a team that already has an established penalty kick taker. I felt like it was kind of disrespectful to like kind of just assume like this is just going to be your thing. It'd be again if the coaches decide that that's one thing. Clearly, he hasn't. But I don't think he would do that if he was on the team with like Ibrahimovic or Messi. Like you know, what I mean, I just don't think he would pull that same move. Right. And it just kind of felt like they were comparing. You know, who's got the bigger balls? <laughs> Yeah, so it will be interesting to see what's going to happen because so Neymar is no stranger to controversy. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, they're going to be able to be friends again and be really good at PSG. If Neymar wants to be the best player in the world, if he wants to win a World Cup, he needs to be more adult when it comes to that kind of decisions. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, let's talk about the Brazilian national team. There are only two matches left. In the World Cup qualifiers, yep. obviously, Brazil is already in the World Cup. So let's talk a little bit about how the World Cup draw will happen. And I don't know for you, about you, Brandon, but for me, that December before the World Cup, when they do the draws, it's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching that. I watch it live. I make notes. And then you try to predict what's going to happen in the World Cup. Yeah. So that is happening in December. And the way FIFA is going to do it, they're going to seed the teams mm -hmm. based on their October ranking. Yes. So part one will have Russia plus the top seven teams in the FIFA's ranking. So the top seven in the FIFA's ranking, which would be the top seeds for each group in the World Cup, are Brazil. Germany, well, not in that order. Germany first right now, but Brazil should be first in October because of the way the points work. But anyways, Germany, Brazil, Portugal, Argentina, Belgium, Poland, Switzerland. Now, assuming all of those make it to the World Cup, like Argentina, not sure. And I'm not sure how what's going on in Europe either. Well, I think it's just, I think the point of this is just saying, you know, if the draw was today, mm -hmm. this is how it would go. But, you know, there are some teams who could be, like France, you know, they could move up into, they're very tight in, on points. Mm -hmm. I think, though, that Germany, Brazil definitely be one and two. Again, Argentina, they, it's possible they don't make it. Right. It's going to be very exciting to see if Argentina will make it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, th I think the one and two is definitely set. I mean, there's a big gap in points between two and three. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, it'll be interesting to see. With that said, the rankings are going to be basically the, what is it, pot one. We have Russia, the top seven teams, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other teams are what? Filled in how? I, I, there's going to be 
like other pots, but there are some rules like two teams of the same federation or the same continent cannot be in the same group except mm-hmm. European teams. Right, because there's some, there's more, right. Right, there are so many European teams, so that could happen between Europeans, but you couldn't have like Brazil and Colombia in the same group. That's another, and there are a few other rules about the draws, but you know, it's eight groups of four, which give us 32 teams, obviously. Right. And again, it's just a very exciting point just before the World Cup. Also, I'm planning my trip to Russia, so I need to know. <laughs> I already mapped all the potential cities where Brazil might play uh, in the first in the in the group stage, because you know Brazil is going to be one of the top seeds, so they're going to be, you know, if it's Group B, they're going to be B1, C, C1, and so forth. So I already mapped where all the top seeds of each group are going to be playing in the group stage. So we'll see. In December, it's going to be very exciting to see what's going to happen. This was news to me, the the red card situation. If you get a red card in the last qualifying match, that carries over to the World Cup finals. Right. That's that's interesting. I didn't know that either. But, yeah, if you get a red card in the very last match, yellow cards don't count. But red card, then yes, then you're out of the first game in the World Cup. So it's interesting to see a team like Brazil. Chichi might just put the reserve team to play the last match, not to risk it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Or if you're a player, be like, I'm not doing anything. Cause I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to miss that first match in the world in the World Cup. Right. You would have known that for like seven months at that point. <laughs> I know. It's like all summer, like all year, basically, you're like, uh, <laughs> that stupid red card. <laughs> <laughs> from the video review. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's see. So has he called his team? He has. So the team that will be playing the final two qualifying matches are... So goalies, we have Alisson from Roma, Cassio, Corinthians, and Ederson, Manchester City. Uh-huh. Defense, Marquinhos, PSG, and Thiago Silva, both PSG. Miranda, Inter Milan. And Jemerson from Monaco. Left backs going to be Marcelo and Felipe Luiz. And right backs, Danny Alves, PSG, and Danilo, Manchester City. In the middle, you have Arthur from Grêmio. Diego, Flamengo. Yes, that famous Diego. Casemiro, Real Madrid. Fernandinho, Manchester City. Paulinho, Barcelona. Renato Augusto from Beijing Guan. Felipe Coutinho, Liverpool, and William, Chelsea. And up top, you have Diego Tardelli from Shandong Luneng, Neymar, PSG, Gabriel Jesus, Manchester City, and Firmino, Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of surprises. I think the biggest one is Diego Tardelli. So he's a big name. I think he's like 31, 32. He's an excellent striker, but he's in China. I don't know what Chichi has seen in him lately. Because apparently he's got a few goals, but not that many. It's not like he's the Chinese league top scorer. So it might be one of those things that Chichi wants to see how he's doing, see how he will do in the Brazilian national team again. I don't. I'm not sure why Chichi chose to take him. Maybe it's just an experiment. Sure. And Arthur is this very young kid playing really well for Grêmio, and we talk about Grêmio a lot. You know, we said that they are in the Libertadores semifinals. They are in the top part of the Brazilian league. And apparently this kid is really good. I'll be honest, I don't know much about him. But 
it's good to give him a chance. We'll see how he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we'll see what happens. I would be surprised if some of these surprise people that we see on this list are kind of like what you said about, like, Shisha uh, pulling in the reserves and, like, kind of keeping <laughs> that last game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and keeping you know. the, the, the very important players out. Yeah. What I did want to mention one thing. Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the last one. It, it might, I think it happened since then. Ederson had a really bad injury. Oh right, you po- um, I saw you posted in our social media. Yeah, it was uh, it was Manchester City playing against Liverpool, and Sadio Mane was put through over the top. He runs out. Ederson also, because you know he's pretty quick off his line. They're both outside the box, so Ederson obviously can't use his hand. So he he went to go head the ball, and Sadio Mane went with his foot, and Ederson's face uh, was caught with his cleat. So he ended up needing, gosh, I forget how many, I think it was eight stitches? Oh my Something God. like that. It um, looked horrible in that picture. It was. It's like right on like his cheek and like up by like his eye. And uh, it was, a, there was, for some reason, there was this big debate as to whether it was a red card or not. Hmm. And I don't see how it's not a red card. Like that's all, that's, that would always be a red card. So yeah, so just, just, he's doing well. I think he had to play with the helmet for a little bit. So he's um, he's back in he's playing again. But he's back playing. Yep. So that that shouldn't impact him at all. For and obviously I, he wouldn't have been called up if it was an issue. So yeah, if I were a goalie, I would always wear a helmet. I'd be too scared not to. <laughs> so yeah. So that's that's that. We'll see what uh, how the results come. So those games are going to be early in October, October fifth, I believe eighth. Oh, coming back soon. Yeah, very soon. Alrighty, so I think that that wraps it up. Um, let's see, we've got some games to watch. Who? Palmeiras and Santos. There. Yeah. So another big derby coming up on the thirtieth of September, and this is also a very interesting game because both Palmeiras and Santos being out of the Libertadores, there's nothing left but Brazilian league, and Santos is currently second and Palmeiras fourth. So, I think whoever loses this game, it's done for the year. There's yeah. nothing else to go for. They're going to be fighting hard to be able to get those three points and try to get as close to Corinthians as they can. Right. So that's one game to watch. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on Sao Paulo. Season's coming to an end. There's 14 matches left, and they better start winning to get out of that dangerous zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to have to. <laughs> so I think that wraps up the show. Yeah, that's it. So remember, check us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you can find us, Brazil Soccer Pod. Also, our website, brazilsoccerpod.com. Brandon does a great job of writing show notes and posting everything we talked about. You know, if we talk about a video or a photo, you can go in there and check it out. Except we're not going to be posting Adonis photo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you, you, that you run your own risk. You can do your own Google searches. For, right. For we don't want to get in trouble for not suitable for work photo in our <laughs> website, you know. Join our EPL Fantasy League. Yes, please join that. Oh, my goodness. there's there's We, we have fun in that league. I have many a Brazilian in my squad, Richarlison. It's always good to see them scoring. So, yeah, so make sure you join. You can find the info on our Facebook and Twitter and all that. Um, we, you know, we tweet out the code uh, to join the league. So it's fun. And make sure to subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher. You can find us on SoundCloud. Wherever you like to listen to your podcasts, we are there. We are there. Just look for Brazilian Soccer Pod. Yes. 
our Brazilian soccer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Brazilian Soccer Podcast, presented by Soccer Expeditions. Visit SoccerExpeditions.com to learn more about amazing soccer-centric vacations. That's SoccerExpeditions.com. Hey, Lucas, we're not done. What's up? We have some people we have to thank. Oh, that's right. We have some special thanks to some people. Uh, Giuliani Anarelli for our music. Matt Raymond for designing our logo. And Richard Tenenbaum for voiceovers. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Mm -hmm.